Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Scientology Fair Game. Mike. Hello. Lee. Hello. <laughs> uh, we have yet another distinguished guest and someone we consider part of the family of uh, fighting and exposing Scientology and their criminal activity. Tony Ortega, welcome. Thank you for having me on, Leah. Mike. Hi, Tony. How are you? It is absolutely our ple pleasure. Now, let's, for, for those who don't know, Tony, uh, let's go through a little bit of your history. Tony, you were not ever a Scientologist. Never once. And what got you involved in exposing Scientology? You know, I was a new reporter for a newspaper in uh, Arizona, of all places, and I was just looking for a good story. And uh, I was fortunate. I worked for a weekly, and part of our job was to look for stories that the daily had either missed or done badly. Okay. And I happened to be looking through the, the letters to the editor one day of the Arizona Republic, and I spotted a letter from a guy named Rick Ross mm -hmm. who was complaining to the paper that they had you know, covered his lawsuit and that he had lost a $5 million lawsuit, mm -hmm. but they had completely left out of the story that the plaintiff against him had been recruited by the Church of Scientology. And I thought, wow, that sounds juicy. How could the paper of record leave that out? Right. And so I reached out to him and uh, found that there was this incredible story about Kendrick Moxon and the Church of Scientology recruiting this Christian kid to sue Rick Ross so they could really end up suing the Cult Awareness Network and end up taking it over. I mean, it's an incredible story, a it 1990s is, is. Scientology story. But I got to sink my teeth into that. And I was fortunate enough that I worked for a, a publication that kind of encouraged you to, to develop a, an area of, of expertise. And so over the years, I just kept coming back and back to that subject. I just found it endlessly fascinating. But I'm just a reporter covering her story. I, I never was involved in it myself. All right. But now you're, you're so just a quick little stat rundown for you. You graduated Cal State Fullerton. Uh, you've worked for the Phoenix New Times. You worked for the, the New Times LA, uh, Broward Palm Beach News Times, and the Village Voice. So I had ended up the editor-in-chief of the Village Voice in New York, which is an amazing position to be in as a journalist. And I had written a lot about Scientology on the website and it had gotten huge, you know, it was overnight, I was the most read blogger in the entire company. And, um, but, you know, this was a very difficult time for newspapers. We were letting go people all the time. It was terrible. I hated doing it. And the guys that owned it were turning it over to their lieutenants. It was going to change hands. And when you're the editor in chief, you serve at the pleasure of, right? And and when and when a regime change comes, you know that you're probably not going to survive it. And I knew that the new owners didn't think about me the same way the previous owners did. So I got out of there when I could. Right. I left at that point because I knew it was changing. And um, I went to go write my book about Paulette. So I, I left and a week later, they announced the ownership change that until then had been secret. I was one of the few people that knew about it. Right. And just, and just to let everybody know that, that Tony started his blog after leaving the village voice called the underground bunker. Um, and, uh, you, uh, you then you wrote the book. You, you just mentioned the book that you wrote, which is amazing. Uh, it's a story about Paulette Cooper, who was a journalist in New York and has probably one of the most egregious, uh, fair game stories uh, that that we've ever experienced. And you right. you've had you had her on the aftermath. You had her on the podcast. I mm -hmm. mean, she's an amazing figure. And I just you know, uh, Janet Reitman had written her book, and mm -hmm. Lawrence Wright was writing his book. Yeah, I just wanted to find something that was more narrative based. I wanted right. I wanted to find a story about Scientology that was a story. Right. And uh, my publisher gave me the best advice. He said, "Write it as if it's happening." Right. So when you read my book, The Unbreakable Lovely, about Paula Cooper, it reads more like a business thriller than a history. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I, yes. that's the way I tried to do it, and I, I yeah. think people enjoyed it. And um, so that's so that was the timing on that. I left The Voice. I spent a couple years writing that story. I had started up my own website, TonyOrtega.org, The Underground Bunker. Yeah. And just a year after I left uh, The Voice is when I got to break one of my biggest stories of all time, 
And that is that uh, Leah Remini had left the Church of Scientology. Is that right? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. July 8th or something, July 5th, something, 2013, I got to break the story that you had left Scientology and I got to tell the story about the wedding in Italy and all that stuff. Right. So, uh, no, that was a that was a huge thrill for me to be able to break that story. It was such an important one. So how long have you been writing about Scientology abuses? I just passed uh, 25 years. Which is fascinating because, again, I, I have to reiterate, Tony is and was never in Scientology. And uh, you are one of the few who continues to expose Scientology. I mean, we I know we all tweet about that. Like, hey, where's the LA Times? Hey, where's the New York Times? Where's anybody uh, other than Tony and Yashar uh, and, and Marlo Stern? Like, it, I, I don't know who else is really writing about. Well, one uh, thing I had noticed was, you know, yeah. as I was learning the history, and I, of course, had such huge admiration, not just for Paulette and what she had written, mm -hmm. but people like, Joel Sapel and Robert Welkos at the LA Times mm -hmm. and, um, you know, people at the Washington Post. And, uh, but what I noticed was, and Richard Bahar, for example, who you've had on. Yes. But, but, and and, and you're I, right. Listen, I, I don't want to not mention the people. There are people, the Tampa Bay Times, it was uh, Joe Childs right. and uh, Tom what, Tobin. I, what I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. What exactly. I noticed was that, yeah. What I noticed was that it would do some huge thing. And then like we're all totally indebted to Tom and Joe for the truth rundown. Yes. But then it would kind of die off. And right. what, I real, what I realized there was a niche that I felt that I could fill. And that was that daily drumbeat. So that like not every day at the bunker is a huge, important story, but we're keeping an right. eye on them day yes. in and day out so that people won't forget about disconnection about tax exempt status, right. about all these things. And I, I felt like that was something I could do. And uh, I, I just really enjoy it. I still feel like I got a front row seat to an amazing story that's going on. Yes. Well, and, 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 and I think ahead, also, Tony, you've, you've provided an archive and a place, mm -hmm. uh, an easy place for people to go to search about any topic related to Scientology. I mean, there is a story on the bunker about, anything and everything from what is Dianetics and clearing to what happened with the tax exempt status to right. what is going on with the legal cases to personal stories of people's involvement and how their lives have been destroyed. It, like everything is there. And when I'm looking for something about Scientology, rather than just doing a straight Google search, I usually go to your website and search on your website first right. and look to see, okay, where's Tony's article about this? Because it's always got links to any other information. It's like an invaluable repository of the history and dirty laundry of Scientology. I don't disagree. And once again, I'm not talking about people who are have amazing websites like Jeffrey Augustine with the Scientology Money Project and Chris Shelton. Uh, like and I could Stephanie name, now. Yeah, but, but I'm talking about non-Scientology, you know, not former Scientology, not even connected to Scientology in any familial way, just straight up journalist talking about Scientology abuses. So I just want to be clear because I don't want to uh, discredit the amazing work that people do because, Mike, you have an amazing blog as well, but we're not talking about it. We're talking about journalists who have never been in Scientology. Right. And they are right, right. far and few between. So uh, you've been covering Scientology. You were also in Going Clear, Tony, um, and you have been systematically and consistently fair-gamed by Scientology and Scientologists. Yeah, you had me on The Aftermath and asked me about that. And that's when I said for the first time publicly that they had targeted my wife with a, a, an elaborate scheme where they hired an out-of-work journalist to pretend that he was working on a story about her in order to freak out her employers. So why don't you um, tell us what happened? Well, you know, fortunately, her employers understood, you know, one of the advantages we have yes. is that people know about Scientology and they know that Scientology is full of it. Right. So once we made them aware this is a Scientology plot, they understood. And then, you know, it's 
what's it's I want to say it's funny. It's not really that funny, but no. three three years later, they tried the exact same scheme. The exact same scheme. So what's the scheme? What's the scheme, Tony? Tell me. Tell me they the they have somebody pretend that okay. he's a reporter writing something about my wife and and excusing her of of being a terrorist. And, and so the they go to so they go so how do they do this? They go to your to her employer. They contact her via them via telephone. They, 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 they show send up? an email saying okay. I'm working on a story uh-huh. and we need a quote from you about why you would hire a terrorist and. The reason why they call her a terrorist is that she, you know, back during the anonymous days in 2008, mm-hmm. 2009, mm-hmm. they had some really fun online boards where people went and talked about Scientology and anonymous. And mm-hmm. she was one of many thousands of people that, you know, told jokes about Scientology okay. at the anonymous boards. Okay. And so they, that they consider her a terrorist. So they send an email to her employer saying, do you realize, you know, we're working on a story on the fact that you hired a, ter- a terrorist. Well, hang on, Tony. Yeah. Let me just clarify one thing. They, they don't consider her a terrorist. I mean, they, they don't give a fuck. They only care. They just try to freak them out. They're exactly. just trying to exactly. freak they, out. They don't actually believe that. They don't actually believe that. Yes. In order to harm me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, but, but what I found funny was three years later, they tried the exact same ploy with a different person. And this time her bosses were laughing. They're like, if it didn't work the last time, why are they trying it again? I said, well, that's Scientology. And so Mike, what it, Mike, the the intent of this is what? Because they're not they're not journalists. They work for a Scientology uh, front group magazine, or and they just simply can say that they're journalists, which which they are not. They did this in my in my mother's restaurant. They they showed up with with a business card that said journalist on it. Uh, <laughs> for I think it was what Freedom. Media magazine, or which is a Scientology publication that is uh, just dedicated to putting out slander and lies about people speaking up and out about Scientology, and uh, li- literally went up to my sister and said, "You know, we're doing a story on on Leah Remini," and she's like, "Oh, are you? You're doing a story about Leah Remini? Yes, we're doing a story about Leah Remini." And she's like, "Oh, okay." Um, so here's my card. You know, are you willing to talk about her? You know, we're, she goes, "What? What's the story about? We're 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 um just." We're vetting her book, Troublemaker. We're vetting her book. And she said, oh, okay, because the book's been out for like five years. I just said, <laughs> yeah. And, and, the, and, and my sister asked some follow-up questions for which the women just kind of started to back out of the diner. Um, and it, 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 this is the kind. But, Mike, what is the purpose of something like this? Like, let's say Shannon was my boss. Um, the, the purpose is to cost mm-hmm. you your job. So that I mean, my, so, that is yeah. exactly what the directive from Hubbard says that you can always cost them their job. And so just the planting the seed that maybe I was not factual in my book. I mean, anybody who's written a book knows you ain't saying shit in a book that's not vetted up and down a million fucking times. But anyway, sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Yeah, and and the idea, and, and you know, I've shown these things a number of times. There are yeah. two particular references from Hubbard where he talks about you call up, you know, he gives these examples of of gosh porge and call up the call up the the uh, thing and say that the, you know the the prostitute is demanding her payment, and that creates in the mind of someone. Oh, there must be something to this. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Right, right, I mean, right. they did the, they've done the same things to me numerous times. They go knock on your next door neighbor's door and say, We're conducting an invest hi, I'm a private investigator and I'm conducting an investigation into Mike Rinder. Uh, are you aware uh, that he is engaged in mortgage fraud? Are you aware that he has been accused of smuggling drugs? Mm. And it's complete bullshit, mm-hmm. but the person gets in uh, in their in head their mind. the idea there must be something bad about this person because why would anybody show up if that right. wasn't the case? Right. And I remember when this first came up with Tony's wife, and I actually wrote a letter to her boss yeah. that detailed and gave the exact... Here is exactly how they do this. This is what is happening. And here is, and how do I know this? Because this is what I used to be in charge of in Scientology. And because Tony Ortega is such a thorn in the side of Scientology Mm -hmm. and they can't get him, 
they're trying to get his wife. And right. that also is pursuant to the Hubbard dictate of you go after what the person is seeking to protect. Right. And every man who is who can call himself a man seeks mm -hmm. to protect his wife and children and family. There is no question that that's, that's the job of a man is mm. to protect his wife and children. Mm -hmm. So that's a very common target for as, when you're well, trying to do one of those things. As, as well, women, Mike, as well, women, Mike. <laughs> We yes. I'm just we, saying why yes. go after why go after it. Tony's wife? Sure. That's all. Well, because, because it's going Tony's after wife. Yeah, but it's also going after just really Tony and going after anybody who's connected to Tony will eventually take will in their minds take Tony out. If you could Mike, if you could uh will you post all this on the website? Yeah, you know? I, I do it every time yeah. we talk about this, I put them on the on the Great. You know, fairgamepodcast.com website that Great. accompanies the each episode and on my blog. And, you know, I keep putting these things out because they are so incredible. Yes. I don't think people still, or many people still, actually understand that these things are mandates. These are what Scientology is required to do. Frame people, literally. I think, it says frame them. <laughs> I think because people come from the thought, uh, you know, like real people uh, who are have real faith, right? You don't have to exactly follow to the T, you, you know, the scripture of your religion, right? Where because Scientology isn't a religion, it's a business for, for profit pretending to be a cult, not even a religion, because it's it, it really is a business for profit because it conducts itself as a business it has a, a literally mike i did a i did a a, a podcast of some of someone's the other day and i said you know so the price list of scientology you know there's a price list you have to prepay but he wait 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 what and he was well versed in scientology and you know as far as he can be not being a scientologist right I said, baby, please tell me you know that there's a fucking price list. Like, you can just Google it. I said, as a matter of fact, please do it now. Please do it now as we're talking, because I cannot take this anymore. Scientology has a price list, everybody. You can Google it and see it. <laughs> it is not a faith-based religion. It is a business for profit. Sorry. Well, it really, I mean, it is faith-based though. Mike. A and I, I'm going to, I just want to make a distinction here, Leah. Really, Mike? Let me the ask faith, you that. Mike, really? The faith Mike? is faith in L. Ron Hubbard. No, no, no. That Mike. is Mike, Mike, what Mike, Mike, I'm going to fight you. Sorry, Tony, that you have to be involved in this family feud, but it's got you, this is what being family is all about, Tony, and you're part of the family. So hold on, mommy and daddy are fighting. <laughs> Or as I refer to us, grandma and grandpa. Okay. <laughs> grandma and grandpa are going to fight for a second. Mike, have you ever been in a Scientology course room where you are sitting reading a Scientology policy while the police officers are standing behind you making sure that you don't yawn, don't itch, don't move in your chair, and if you do, you are forced to go into another room by the Scientology police officer called a supervisor, and they then start to ask you what every definition of the word the is, or what's the definition of a, what's the derivi derivation of a, how is the word a being used here, how's their being used? And then after they do that, Mike, you say, I don't particularly agree that all children, uh, I, I, in Dianetics, I don't. I don't really think that I subscribe to this idea that a child of seven years old should not be reacting to being passionately kissed by a grown-up, and if they react uh, in any way upset, that that child, there's something wrong with that child. Now, if you say you don't agree with that, yep, what happens? You're you're allowed to believe that, Mike, and not allowed to believe it. You're allowed to no. not believe Scientology of teaching. Not. No, that's not but faith. that's what I'm saying. You have to. It is a, entirely a matter of you have faith. 
that every word of L. Ron Hubbard is true. And that is the distinction of what makes a Scientologist. You have to believe every I just don't word believe of L. Ron Hubbard is I don't true. Do, I just don't believe and I know that it's that faith a, when it's... No, because there's no repercussions. If I go into a Catholic church or a synagogue and I say, I don't particularly believe this... What, Tony? You're laughing. But what... Tony, be the tiebreaker here. De- definition no, this is, of faith. This, this is exactly the kind of argument I try never to get into at the bunker. <laughs> no because if you are raised with the first with the first you're line. using faith as a broad term meaning a real religious belief i am being funny and saying right yeah scientology says there's no faith in scientology and i'm saying that's actually not true because you have to believe every single word of l run hubbard but I that just don't know is, of any religion uh, other than extremist cults uh, and, and and other types of, of, of extremist thinking that that is actually considered, you know, what I know to be faith, which is, you know, having faith in something, you can choose to believe something, choose not, still call yourself uh, Jewish, still call yourself uh, Catholic. If you did, no one's showing up to your house, Mike. Demanding of course that not, you, but yeah. that's what I'm saying. That's a broad yeah. definition okay. of the term faith, okay. meaning right. a religious okay. belief or religious commitment. I mean, I, I, or something. I will point out one of the more intriguing things about Scientology is that its its adherents will swear to you up and down that you're not asked to believe anything. Anything. It's a, scien- it's a scientific pursuit. Sure. Hubbard said it was science, and he didn't want you to believe anything. You just have to go through it and learn the science, and then. Once they've been through going through this science long enough, they're removing invisible entities from themselves right. with the use of a quasi lie detector for eight hundred dollars an hour. Right. So you know it, it's amazing that people that will put up with that will claim to you that they aren't asked to believe anything. Oh, I know. So, right. And, and Tony, the thing is too is if I was a Scientologist and I would tell my mother, I don't particularly agree or believe in these upper confidential levels of Scientology, my mother would 1984 me. She would send a report, a written report to Scientology. Then they would call me in. They would interrogate me in a locked room. They would say, what are you looking at on the internet? Who are you talking to that's anti-Scientology? And if I just said, look, I just don't believe that we're made up of, of, of spiritual beings that are talking to me or, you know, pretending to be cancer. I just don't believe, like, I just don't, I think, I don't think that's true. I just choose not to believe that. Just as, and, and you get punished for that, you have have to believe it or you are punished for it not only are you punished for it then your whole family is punished for it pulled into scientology at the cost of us by the way three thousand dollars minimum to interrogate me and unless i say okay i believe this that will I ever get out of the interrogation? I, I have to believe there's no way for me to get out. And so if I want to get out and say, well, fuck it, I'm out, then my whole family is leaving me. I'm being shunned by everything I've ever known. I'm having to admit that I was wrong. I don't longer have my community that I was right. You know, there's a lot of repercussions. I just don't know of any real faith that the repercussions are so great. Of course. Of oh, course, I think, but I think that's what I'm people... saying. That's what I'm saying. You you can't you can't define Scientology as a faith in right. the same way that you define Catholicism or Correct. Judaism or yes. whatever as a faith. Right. But the lie that you don't have that you don't believe anything in Scientology that it is all um, science and just as Tony said, you mm-hmm. you are not asked to believe anything. That's utter horseshit there is way more belief or faith in l ron hubbard in scientology than there is in the bible in christianity or the torah or whatever in any other religion so that that was the the point i was making scientology is not a faith but it requires more faith than any faith that you know of Okay, I disagree with the word, so I'm not even going to agree with you, Mike. But Mike, 
the real point of this <laughs> was because you are forced uh, in, into submission with Scientology teachings, uh, we were talking about the policies of Scientology. And so this is the part I think that we could all agree on, that people don't really understand that there's no assimilating information from Scientology. It, the policy of L. Ron Hubbard has to be followed to a T. You cannot kind of think it says this, kind of think it says that. It, it policy, there's policy of L. Ron Hubbard that says policy is to be followed and my policies should never change, period. And so because of that, this is why fair game and fair game directives will continue to be in existence and will continue to be used by Scientology and Scientologists because they follow the, the scripture, the policy of L. Ron Hubbard to a T. That is part of the, the, the agreements of Scientology. We all agree that we will adhere to Scientology policy at all times, exactly how it's written. And, and because of that, they mm -hmm. spend incredible amounts of money Tax smearing money. you, Leah, mm -hmm. smearing you, Mike, and smearing me. I mean, they just, it's constant online. They send people around the world. I've had private investigators uh, in trying to intimidate my loved ones in both hemispheres mm -hmm. uh, on four different continents. I mean, it's just, it's insane the amount of money they will spend hoping that they will frighten you out of saying anything else about the Church of Scientology. That's exactly what it is. Shutter them into silence. On top of all of this, uh, Mike, you and Tony were victims of, of Scientology hacking. They actually yeah. hacked your emails. Tried the, to. Tried to. Oh, right. But, right. The, the, but, but uh, what was the guy's name, Mike? Tony Eric Saldariaga, who yes. was being employed by Dave LeBeau. And who's Dave LeBeau? Dave LeBeau is the notorious private investigator who was the protege of the original notorious Scientology private investigator, Gene Ingram. And Dave LeBeau was the person who was uh, originally the guy who went after Bob Minton at my direction. And then was the guy that went after me and Marty Rathbun and Tony at whoever took over from me's direction. LeBeau showed up at my mother's house twice. Saying what? Doing what? To just intimidate her, to frighten her. We're and doing an work? investigation into allegations that Tony Ortega is involved in child sex trafficking. Wow. I guarantee you that's exactly what he said. And, and what and, was your you mom? Know, and your mom, did, Tony. Your mom does it. She's not involved in any of this, right? She, no, she, no. Well, but she's, you know, she's tough. Okay, she, good. She's, I mean, the whole point is they show up, they want to ask questions, and it just gets everybody nervous. I mean, they, right, what right. they want is that right. that feeling in the pit of your stomach that somebody's at my mother's door right. on the other side of the country, and there's nothing I can do about it. Right. Um, LeBeau is also the guy who ran the Squirrel Busters. Wow. That is a Sorry. big bottle of water. Mike, I have to drink two of these a day, I'm told. Oh. It's oh. so, like, I don't like water. I just don't like water in general. Tea. Yeah, I have coffee here. But the reason, but, but to have, this is like torture to me to have to drink two of these a day. Literally, it's like. Oh, you've got, you've got Dave's brand of water, Leah. First of all. <laughs> so fucked up you know because <laughs> i saw it at tom cruise's house right and you know you ask for water and this is what you get i drink the water and again not a big fan of like i just don't like drinking water because i it makes me pee every two seconds so i drink the water and i go fucking hell this is some fancy water this is the way the fucking the real celebrities do it you know so then I go, let me see if I could find this water. So I find the water, and then I have, like, my regular shit water, you know, bottled water. And I'm like, oh, my God, there is a difference between the taste of the, these waters. Now, any, I even have had taste tests in my house where people go, you're absolutely crazy, Leah. You know, water's water. Oh, and I'm like, true. I will fight you. Seriously, fight you on this point. I'm going to put out Dixie cups of water, and you tell me which one tastes better and it's always this water 
I know. And out of my New pure- York City drinking water. <laughs> well, Best no, that's world. different. Okay, so that's that's unfair. That's unfair, Tony, because I live on the West Coast. And you're not. I know. You, I'm from Los Angeles. Drink. I know how bad yeah. the tap water you is. You cannot there. drink <laughs> the tap water here. Horrible. I am forced to spend money on this fancy Tom Cruise water. I still remember my first day in New York. Yeah. As an 18 year old in 1981, turning on the tap for the first time. Yeah. And realizing how cold and crystal crisp, and wonderful it tastes. Crisp. I was shocked. It is a shocking moment. When you could literally drink out of the tap. It's amazing. very liberating. Anyway, yes. Sorry. And I, I, I reluctantly am still drinking this water. I'm ashamed of myself, Mike. Ashamed of myself. Thank you. All right. So, uh, Tony, uh, so you guys, uh, so end off on the, uh, we ended off on the fact that this man died. Did you want to add anything to that? Because it just kind of fizzled out because I was coughing. Well, I just remember what an interesting moment it was when uh, the U.S. attorney had revealed to me that I was the victim in a case. Yeah. And then um, I was talking to Mike Rinder and realized he was a victim in the same case. Wow. That was an odd day. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And, And at that point, we both realized, oh, now we know who the real criminal is. Who's going to want to hack Tony Ortega and Mike Rinder? There's really only one organization that would do that. Right. But you guys were never able to, with the help of the FBI, um, take it further. I mean, was this person ever, uh, did he ever say I was hired by the Church of Scientology or did he ever admit to any? The judge revealed that in his chambers and the New York Times reported it. Okay. But like I said, I think because it was so incidental that they had caught this guy in in a larger investigation of something else they were more interested in. They didn't spend the time following this where it could go. And wasn't it, Mike, that they wanted Saldariaga to do a um, recorded call and they kind of blew it or something? And, and, and Lebeau he, he couldn't pull off. it off. He couldn't pull, he it, couldn't off. pull was- it off. And Lebeau was smarter than Eric Saldariaga. And because they, the FBI were having Eric Saldariaga speak to the people who had hired him okay. to try and like, expand this because they knew he was really a patsy he was just the guy that did the like the grunt work but who hired him was who they were most interested in and he couldn't pull it off apparently so it just sort of fizzled but the the good thing about that was that was the end of dave lebeau he has not been seen Since. since then in fact his brother wrote to me and he said, and what? said, said, I know, uh, what my brother has been up to. He is a rotten piece of shit and I can't even find him anymore. I don't know where he is. He's gone to ground. And I just want to let you know that, that nobody in our family agrees with what he has done. And what, well, that's lovely that he, that he reached out to you and has an opinion about uh, the dirty work that his brother has been engaged in most of his life. But the, but what is interesting to me is how somebody just kind of disappears and why. Oh, I mean, I, know exactly I understand why. it when it comes to missing, you know, the missing wife of David Miscavige or any Scientology employee that was a witness to, you know, a rape or, you know, children being molested inside. That makes total sense to me. But why, why, why would this guy just kind of disappear from his own family? He's not a Scientologist, is he? Yes. Oh, he was. Oh, okay. he became one. He became, he became a one as wow. a PI. He testified. Wow. He, he submitted a declaration in the Rathbun lawsuit that he was a Scientologist. And the reason why he was running the Squirrel Buster operation was that he was personally offended that Marty Rathbun was harming his religion. Mm. And of course, I think Mike and I, Mike took it about as seriously as I did. I mean, the idea that Dave LeBeau was motivated out of, you know, uh, religious. Standing fervor. up for his religious beliefs. Yeah, I mean, come right. On. Right. And so listen, Mike, the, what, tr- yeah. the truth of the matter is, yeah. Leah, if, yeah. if any of these PIs, if they get wind 
that the FBI is after them Mm -hmm. and is trying to uh, snare them in some wider investigation, Mm -hmm. they panic. Scientology panics. Mm -hmm. My bet would be that Dave LeBeau is down in Cabo San Lucas with Gene Ingram. That's where he came from. He was Gene Ingram's mechanic on Gene Ingram's four-wheel drive rental agency in Cabo San Lucas. I see. So uh, because we have told these stories before and people, Mike, you you were part of OSA, so you know the thing to do with people that you think will be subpoenaed would be to ship them out of the country and basically finance their lives to just kind of live freely and happily with Scientology's tax-exempt money so that they could avoid any kind of uh, responsibility. Correct. Yeah, in fact, that's where we sent Ronnie Miscavige and his wife, Biddy, was to Cabo San Lucas when the fear was that they were going to be subpoenaed in the McPherson the Lisa litigation. McPherson, the Lisa McPherson trial, right. The death of the woman in Florida. Sure. sure. Now, if you know Sea Org members, the people who run Scientology, they very rarely leave their posts. Like I have seen, I have grown up with the same people that I have seen at Celebrity Center my whole Scientology career. They either move to a different job, but they are still within the same organization unless they are in trouble. But they always come back. Like they they get reprimanded for, you know, six to eight weeks. And then you're not supposed to ask like, hey, were you like forced to lick toilet bowl? You're not allowed to ask Sea Org members where they've been. But they always come back. That's the motto of the Sea Org, by the way. We come back. But they mean in a different way. They mean lifetimes. Anyway, this person just so happens to have gone missing the same time the LAPD knocked on Celebrity Center's door asking to talk to this person. She's all of a sudden out of the country. Yeah. Shocking, isn't it? Yeah. No. And by the way, we told them, we actually did say, hey, guys, if you could just listen to us, we're just going to give you one, just a few sentences of advice. Don't go knocking. Because the next thing that's going to happen is that person's going to be shipped out of the country. And of course, just like the lawyers involved in every Scientology case, including the Danny Masterson idiot fucking lawyers, they know everything, including the police and the FBI. They, ma'am, please don't tell us our job. Uh, okay, just gonna just tell you. We just know how Scientology works. But if you think you know, I went to law school. Right, yeah, but you don't know Scientology. <laughs> we know better. Thank you. Uh, okay, what happens? Not forty-eight hours later, uh, out of the country. Let's talk about the Danny Masterson uh, case because you, of course, are following it and have been following it and and the cases that are Valerie's case, Valerie Haney's case, if you want to talk about that. Well, I, one of the things I've tried to do, and I think Mike and, and, and you and I have all had some success in this. I knew this was going to happen when Danny was finally charged. Mm-hmm. Places like the L.A. Times had full stories about the fact that he was facing 45 years to life in prison mm-hmm. for raping three women mm-hmm. and other details, but what word was left out of their story? And, and this is what I have been trying to educate people. You cannot write about the Danny Masterson situation without considering Scientology, because not only is Danny Masterson a lifelong Scientologist, mm-hmm. the three women he is accused of raping were Scientologists at the time. Mm-hmm. And as much as he complains about the amount of time that's, that's happened, it's, it's gone by since these incidents happened, the reason why so much time has gone by is the Church of Scientology's interference in these cases. So you really can't write about this situation without deeply considering Scientology's role in all this. And I think over the last year, I have seen news organizations do a better and better job understanding that 
Mm-hmm. I think that's thanks to, you know, the three of us and other people, you know, trying to educate them about, because these are complicated, very complicated cases. And um, I feel for these reporters that are coming to it new and trying to put this together, but they need to keep that in mind that mm-hmm. all three of these women were Scientologists at the time. They were blocked from going to the police initially because of Scientology. Scientology is up to its neck in this thing. And they, you know, they're not, they're, they're less involved in the criminal case because the, the, the criminal prosecutor's job is simply to prove that Danny Masterson raped these three women and then he's going to face a long prison uh, stay. So the prosecutor may not bring up too much Scientology in that particular case. But these women also sued Danny and the Church of Scientology because of the harassment they've been through. So it's really important that people keep that in mind. But yeah, you you brought it up first. Those, you know, the way these the civil lawsuits have been handled has been pretty disappointing. And yeah, we're not actually, talking about the criminal case. We're talking no, about the, the civil case cases, has been guys. Handled very, yeah. very well. And Danny's yeah. in big trouble. But the, the civil lawsuit has been just one set of mistakes after another. And all three of the big lawsuits they filed are now they're all they're all in terrible state. Right. Uh, so far, uh, uh, what was recently uh, was uh, what's the name of the judge? Kleinfeld? Stephen Clyfield. Clyfield. OK, I don't know. Now, can we just change the word? Because because we, if we keep promoting the fact that this is a, a under any circumstances an arbitration, it isn't. There is no such thing, everybody. And again, you know, I have an eighth grade education because I was in a cult that didn't uh, allow me to get an education. But I mean, common sense, I mean, common sense it, it just we just have to just apply some common sense. There is no such thing as a Scientology arbitration. There just is no such thing. Why a judge can't simply say, "Well, let me see it." Well, because I'm not allowed to look at anything having to do with religion. But yet you found for the people who committed the crimes and allowing her or forcing them to do something that is a religious practice in Scientology. It is not secular. This is a Scientology justice action taken. It says it right there, everybody. If you can, can we, Mike? Will you post what Comevs are? Yeah, I'll, okay. I will post the the articles that I have written about this bullshit arbitration thing. Okay, and because it's it, it's called. Know, Everybody, it's called evidence. Yeah, it's called a committee of evidence. Okay, and it says even I'm now I'm just paraphrasing. Don't take my word for it verbatim, but it says this is a justice action taken against Scientologists. That's the part that really baffles me. Why can't you simply ask the Scientology lawyer? Let me see the arbitration that it actually exists. Am I crazy? Yeah. No, unfortunately, that did happen in the Garcia case, and but, you know we can get into a. But that's lot different. Of di- well, it's not that different. My, Mike, you're talking about a, a, a people who are taking, who are bringing Scientology to court because they have been abused, they have been hurt, they have been raped, and you are saying. You now need to sit in a room with your accuser, with, with who you're, with, with the person who committed these crimes against you, who believe, who are going into the this committee of evidence, this pretended arbitration, and who believe that you should be destroyed by the very policies that you were that you believe in, says that you should be eradicated from the face of this earth, for. Uh, reporting your crime to the police, you Scientologists believe that you should be eradicated from the planet. And you believe that this is what these women should be subjected to? Like what? I, can you explain the other side to me, anybody, so that I can maybe see the other side of this? There is no other side. I mean, I remember when the Garcia case was going on and, and Mike provided testimony saying that, look, I was there when they created these contracts. The whole point of creating these contracts was to create this trap for people. Right. And so even though you have this former executive explaining how this was all meant with the most cynical and evil purposes to destroy people, 
Yeah. These judges still always say, well, yeah, but they're a church and I can't examine their internal rules. And it's it's just amazing the way Scientology. Well, because the, commu- the, the committee of evidence would require that the defendants return to Scientology. I mean, there is case law. I mean, we've seen this brought up. There's there's a famous there's actually a famous case involving Hooters of all places mm-hmm. where Hooters said the same thing. You, if, if you're going to sue us, you have to go to arbitration instead. And then Hooters got to choose the arbitrator. Mm-hmm. And there's case law where the judges said, no, no, no. You know, OK, if you could, you can require arbitration. You can deny somebody a, a, their day in court. Mm-hmm. But once that decision is made, it mm-hmm. has to be an independent arbitrator, an right, arbitrator right. who could find for either side. And what I don't understand is with that case law on the books, a judge can't look at Scientology and say, okay, these people might be unhappy that they're not going to get their day in court and they're going to have to go through the arbitration, but at least it'll be an independent arbitrator right. who could possibly find for them. But instead, right. they're not. They're Scientologists in good standing mm-hmm. who are required by policy to think of these women as evil, suppressive persons. Right. And to right. not even hear them. Like, they're not allowed to even talk to them. If they were to talk, the pr- Scientologists would literally cover their ears going, blah, blah, blah. like, th- it is that insane. It it's that, that insane. insane. And, and Scientology has done a great job of convincing courts that there is such a thing as a religious arbitration. Right. And I, I wrote an article on my blog where I said, look, a committee of evidence being called religious arbitration is mm-hmm. like the in- Spanish Inquisition being called religious education. Mm-hmm. There's right. no difference. Right. You And you can't tell me that a court could not look behind this terminology of calling the Inquisition uh, religious education and say, wait a minute, there's something really wrong here. Th- right. This is n- this is no education. This is torture. Right. And actually, Scientology religious arbitration is also torture. It right. is sub- subjecting people to a religious ritual which Scientologists hate. Right. They hate being a. Uh, 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 an well, interested is- party in a committee of evidence, it's like the worst thing that can happen to you. Now, imagine if you are no longer a Scientologist and having to submit to that bullshit. It's insane. But what can we do at this point, Mike? What can we do, Tony? Keep shouting. I, you know, I think that... Uh, <laughs> Appeal. The, the Garcias did go through an arbitration. They didn't want to, but they went through it. I, I really give them credit because they knew the only way they could appeal the judge's ruling was by first going through the arbitration. Sure. So they went through it and it was as much of a farce as you can imagine. You can't have an attorney. They can't have a recording. They don't give you a transcript. They weren't even able to submit the evidence they wanted to submit. It was a complete joke, but they went through it. So then, they, then the judge accepted it. Okay. Then they could appeal the judge's decision. So what and I think they put together a dynamite appeal with all – they brought up all of these issues that we're talking about. Right. The okay. unfairness with the religious – why should an ex-member of the of the church have to go through the church's you know, religious ritual, whatever. Mm. All, they made all these – I think they put together a great appeal. That's wonderful. It's more than two years now, and the appellate court hasn't given us a ruling. Right. I mean, it's just incredible American justice. And you know what? Yep. I, oh, the, the other thing that bothers me, guys, is, by the way, uh, it's the, a committee of evidence, Mike, just to bring up the point that you brought you brought up. It is like having the scarlet letter, because if you are in Scientology and you find out that somebody is 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 under Comev, it is a justice action. It is a like a court martial. Just everybody knows. It is not an arbitration. It is a a justice action. And if you literally, like if, if I knew Mike, I saw Mike in the, the, the cafe of Scientology, and I was like, hey, doing Mike? And he was like, oh, I'm under comma. I'd be like, bye. Like, I wouldn't even want to be talking to Mike because a comma in Scientology means you are bad. You, you've, you've done, done something some, really bad. You've done some shit, and, and-, and this is like the final... Uh, this is the the a point before you are about to get kicked out is a committee of evidence, right, and, Mike? Would you say? And yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. right. And mm-hmm. 
you also have to understand it's not really like a court martial because you never get found not guilty. Sure. Okay. This, You're absolutely this right. is the yeah. other thing about it is yeah. once a committee of evidence is convened on you, basically, it's because you have been some found guilty. boss <laughs> around has already determined that you are guilty of something and they want other people to pass the sentence on you. Like so they, it's a so, way yeah. of of avoiding having to be the bad guy all the time by palming it off onto someone else. I you can ask a thousand former Scientologists who've ever had a Comev yeah. and say, What was your experience? And every single one of them will tell you if they've had a Comev. Well, I walked in there and I was assumed to be guilty. It didn't matter what I said. And even after I explained everything and laid it all out and whatever. The findings found me guilty. Right. And the penalties that were, that I, you know, and I had someone write to me and said, yeah, well, I was found not guilty. Like I had a committee of evidence that found me not guilty of certain charges and still gave me the penalties that were required had I been found guilty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was like, what's the point? It, it's but, but, it's a yeah, sham. But, but look, even as ridiculous as this committee of evidence is and the, the arbitration is, what's really going on here? Scientology has found a way to make itself lawsuit proof. Sure. Yep. They've, yeah. they've yep. found a way to make it almost impossible for a former Scientologist to sue them. And Correct. It's just amazing that the courts are letting them get away with it. Yep. Well, I, I, I could only assume it's just because they're... they're I don't know. Listen, people ask us all the time, like, what what can we do? What can we do? You know, I, I, I'm shocked that there's no victims, advocate groups, uh, uh, First Amendment people. I mean, wh where is everybody for the for the for the victims of Scientology? This is that outrageous to me. The fact that we keep having to be the people who are screaming and carrying on about it. It just, I, I don't know. I don't understand it. Is it because people don't understand what's happening because you're running around saying the word arbitration every two seconds, as opposed to there's no such thing. It's called a committee of evidence as a justice action taken against Scientologists by using Scientology technology. I mean, I don't know what, what is it that, that people can do to, to help, to help the victims of Scientology who are being forced into these, ridiculous uh i don't even know religious torture i don't know what to call it it it's so traumatizing to the victims uh, of these crimes in scientology I, I don't know what to say to offer any comfort anymore to these people yeah it's just been a devastating couple of years in court and, but um, what but what can people do i mean i'm sure there's people out there listening who 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 can help? Who can do something? I mean, what? Who do we need to to engage here? Well, there's a new sheriff in town, and you know, uh, four years ago, uh, we actually had some thoughts that perhaps the new administration might be interested in doing something, and that nothing ever came of that. Right. Uh, but uh, you know that when has the federal government dug into Scientology? In, in 1963 with the yeah. FDA, right. in 1977 with the mm -hmm. FBI, and in 2009 with the FBI. In all those three cases, there was a Democrat in the White House. So I don't, I don't know. Does that mean with a new Democrat in the White House, is there an opportunity now for the federal government to do something? I don't know yet. It's too early. Right. But, uh, you know, I just feel like these individual lawsuits – it, individual lawsuits on their own were never going to, you know, sure. disrupt Miscavige too much. Right. But they're just getting, they're not even getting out of the gate now. Scientology's right. it's swatting them away. It's really going to take government action. And I keep, I'm sure you do too. I keep hearing about government agencies that are interested and are sniffing around, mm. you know, but when is somebody going to pull the trigger? I just don't know. But are, 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 uh, Mike, are there lawyers out there who who should be interested in these stories, who should be uh, helping these victims? Or, or, or is it 
professors? Is it, you know, individuals? I mean, is there anybody who should, is it uh, organizations who, who claim to be uh, uh, advocates for victims? I mean, what, who, who can help? What type of people can help here? Um, a billionaire would be good that could afford <laughs> to hire lawyers that charge a thousand dollars an hour because that's right. what all the good ones are. Right. That's where all the good lawyers are. This is right. the problem or a big problem with the, with the civil court system in the United States. He who has the most money hires the best lawyers and the well, best let me, lawyers. Let me just point out something lately in civil court, things have been disappointing. However, yeah. To answer your question, Leah, one of the yeah. best things that can happen is for a well-known celebrity to come out and mm -hmm. speak out about Scientology. And the fact that you have done that, you completely changed the field. You have completely and utterly changed Scientology watching forever. You have brought in a whole new audience of people. You have raised the visibility of Scientology's abuses in amazing ways. So I don't, you know, I, I totally get frustrated by what's going on in court too, but I don't want to lose sight of the fact that it's, it's, you have made a huge impact and things are very different today because of it. I, I, and you, I concur with you 100%, Tony. And I also concur, and I say this often, ultimately the solution to this is going to be when the appropriate government agencies decide to act. And how do they decide to act? Yes. By two things. One, pressure from public opinion and the media. Two, pressure from elected officials who are in a position on the Budget Oversight Committee or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're the boss of the IRS or they're the boss of the FBI or whatever. Mm -hmm. That is when you ultimately get to all of this is going to be put to bed. And I, I believe that changing the public perception of Scientology is a necessary step to mm -hmm. getting to that point. Only when you get to that point do you really start seeing people willing to act. And I, I have great faith or great hope at this point, just as you said, Tony, a new administration, there is a new opportunity. That's as, that's the best I will put it. I'm not sure that a Democratic administration is better than a Republican one. It's just new. So mm -hmm. there's a new chance. There are new potential avenues to reach people who may be in positions to do something about it. And I... I will keep working on that as hard and as long and for and until something happens because in my view that is the only way ultimately that these abuses are going to be put to an end. Well said. Anything to add Tony? I just uh wanted to say that uh in recent months at the underground bunker tonyortega.org mm -hmm. Two of the best things we've done recently is when you came to me, uh, um, all three of us took part in Brian Seymour's series, Scientology Black Ops, which the network down there mysteriously killed at the last minute. And you were very unhappy about that. And that's when you revealed to me that there was an entire chapter of your book, Troublemaker, that you mm -hmm. had not included in the book that was published. Mm -hmm. And it was all about Tom Cruise and some of the things that Brian was going to reveal on his series. Right. right. And you stunned me by giving me that material. And you and I worked together to get that ready for the public to see. Mm -hmm. And I'm still just blown away that that came out on my website, the missing chapter from Leah Remedy's book, Troublemaker. So if people have not seen that yet, it's my pinned tweet, my number one tweet on my Twitter account. I'll add a link to that too, Tony. Thank you, sweetheart. I, I appreciate it. And, 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 you know, of course, that has been, um, you know, used as, uh, I don't know, but, you know, E-like entertainment, uh, you know, fluff bullshit, where, uh, you, you know, people accuse me of, of uh he can't even sneeze without Leah, you know, and it's like, it has nothing to do with, I think people miss, missed the, the, not, not, not many, but, but I'm just saying a, a small amount of people miss, missed what the point of that was. 
and uh, I am uh, so for COVID uh, rules being applied to sets. Uh, you know, I, I'm a mask wearer. I enforce it. I, uh, you know, very much believe in this. In this, and I, I never want to ever give anybody the idea that it's about that or simply not liking this person because it, it's, it's very hard for me to separate out the person from the victim, uh, from the person that he is because of what he believes in, and not only believes in, but also is very much part of uh, the abuse culture of Scientology. Well, listen, Tony, once again. Thank you for all that you do and for your continued support of the victims of Scientology. I don't always love you, but I <laughs> we fight just like family does. I've sent you some really nasty emails and texts, as have you. <laughs> but we remain uh, dedicated to the bigger picture, which is exposing what Scientology is doing to people and will continue to do if we don't continue to do what we do. So thank you, Tony. Thank you to your readers who also are are, are fighting and doing their part. And uh, thank you all for listening and for caring. Don't forget to go to Tony's blog, to Mike's blog, to the Fair Game podcast website for all this information. Until next time, thank you. I love you both. <laughs> love you too, Lee. Bye-bye. Bye, thank Tony. Thank you, Leah. So wait, I don't got to love you from Tony? Thank I love you, Leah. Can you say it with, like, can you say it now where I actually believe you? I know you could do it. Men are very good at this. If you could just make me believe you. You don't have to put too much into it. It could be simple. Love you, Leah. Oh, okay. Love you. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>